Hey there, listeners. This is ASUONU. My name is Ryan Wynn, and I'm the Emeralds podcast editor and former ASUO reporter. Today, we're going to be talking about the EMU board. The EMU board is a financial committee. It manages everything in the EMU, from the lights to the clubs that are inside it. And today, we're going to be talking about it. Today, we're talking about the EMU board, and I'm here with... My name's Monse. How are you today? Good. How are you doing? I'm good. And we've talked on this podcast before. You're the ASVO Senate president, but you're also the chair of the EMU board. Is that right? So Senate president, EMU budget chair, to be exact. Budget chair. We'll get into that when we talk about the structure and why those two things are a little bit different. All right. That sounds good. So to just start us off, can you tell us what the EMU board does exactly? Sure. So the EMU board is a combination of a few things. We do anything from managing the EMU funds to managing building guidelines and the allocation of space as well. Um, And this may be a good segue into talking about how we are structured because that relates to like what we do. All right. Can you tell us a little bit about that then and how that works? Absolutely. So compared to other finance committees, the EMU board is split into two. We do, but we are one cohesive unit. So when we do meet as a full board, we have a board chair, and then there's the vice chair. However, then we're split into two. And one of those is the budget committee. The other one is what we call the house committee. And we try to split it even, six people in one, six people in the other one. In the house committee, members deal with EMU policy and space allocation of our building. Just to give an example of what that means, basically... A couple years back, uh, for example, the Multicultural Center, which is in our EMU, had an empty space because one of their student groups decided that they were only using that space for storage and they didn't want to have office hours and do some of the other requirements that we have for students to have those spaces. So they decided to give it away. And we had student groups apply. And then they met with house members to discuss the situation, make sure that everything was okay according to their policies. And... And here's the thing. The decision was brought to the full board, and then we voted, approved on it, and now there's a new group in that space. Then when we're talking about budget committee, though, it's all about financial matters. So we talked in the last episode, you and I, about the fee, And this relates to that. Out of the about $16 million that it totals, $6 million approximately is how much the EMU has, which is the biggest budget out of the four finance committees. That does sound like a lot of money. Yeah, you start to, it's a little weird coming into it at first, but then you start to get used to the scale of these numbers. Um, and then, yeah, so we manage 13 programs for their budgets. We have members within our budget committee that are assigned to what we call TAGs. So they discuss with the budgets, with the uh, representatives for each budget, and then they come to the full meeting tell us how they're doing, if that specific program's asking for any increases, decreases, and then we can all work together on that balancing act, knowing how much money we have to give and how we're going to make that split that year. So that kind of sounds like tags are just tagged to specific groups within the EMU that just kind of work on them one-on-one? Yeah, exactly. So out of our 13 programs, I'll list some of them. We have the Center for Student Involvement, CSI, KWVA, our school's radio station, Club Sports, which has all of the student-run clubs um, for sports. And then we have Moss Street. A lot of people don't know about Moss Street. That's actually a child care facility for students on campus. 
and etc. So we have 13, right? And then you have six members sitting on the budget committee and each one of them will meet individually with either one or two of those groups, groups one-on-one to fully get to know their budget and what their needs are. And then that way they can bring it to us and we can all discuss together what the best options are. Okay, so to kind of sum up what you just said, mm-hmm. the EMU board is divided into two major sides. There's the budget side and the house side. Mm-hmm. The budget side deals with all things financial, and those members are tagged to specific groups within the EMU. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And just and- to make sure that I also explain, I guess, how we work together, um, when we may- meet, we have separate meetings, right? House has our meetings, budget has our meetings, but then we have a full board meeting every other week. And at that meeting, we make sure that everyone is fully briefed on what's happening on the other side. Because even though we work on things separately as individuals and as committees, ultimately any major decision will be voted on by the full board. So the full board needs to be aware of what's happening on each side. Okay. And the house side, that I'm not entirely sure if I understand what you meant by that. Could you explain that a little bit again? Sure. So... They deal with different policies that have anything to do with the EMU or with the space allocation of groups. Gotcha. So they actually have to talk to more people than we do because in the EMU, you know, you have a lot of space and a lot of groups using those spaces, right? Like the Mills International Center, the Women's Center, the Veterans Center. Those are three examples of um, groups that use the EMU space but actually don't fall under our budget. So the budget committee doesn't talk to them because they fall under DFC, actually. Okay. So they just fall under a different financial committee, but they're just still within the EMU. Yeah, exactly. So the house committee, I guess that's why the name house comes from, because it's like, if you think of the EMU as a house, we're talking about the space and the people that are utilizing that space and what rules they need to follow. Yeah, that helps a lot. So when you also say that they manage specific EMU policies, Mm -hmm. what sort of policies are those? Can you give us an example or two, maybe? Sure. Um, So I haven't sat on house committee. So to be honest, like... I've never gone fully, fully into the detail of their work, but I know that last year um, they worked on a policy that that was basically the statement that said our programs follow a rule that is that we prioritize students first in all of the services that we offer as a building. Right. And maybe an example of that policy in action would be the fact that a lot of our services offered in the EMU are at different prices than they are for community members. For example, if you go to the craft center, there's a different price for you to pay for workshops than if you were just some regular community member that is not a student. When we're talking about reserving rooms through the scheduling and events, usually you don't get charged for those rooms. Um, But then when it comes to like faculty or any community members that want to use the EMU, they get charged a higher price for that. Yeah, that helps a lot. Does... This is just an aside, but I was just wondering if those policies also included when the EMU has 24-7 hours, like during dead week and such. Yeah, so actually the hours, that's a really interesting thing because that's something that would involve the full EMU committee, right? Because on one hand, it's a policy of the building, I guess you could call it. And on the other hand, it actually affects our budget. And that's one thing that I was going to get into, the fact that something that makes the EMU budget very different from the other committees and why I believe it's also the highest um, use of the IFE, right, with that $6 million. Part of the reason why that is is because we're not only paying for the programming that's happening for students, but we're also paying for the building's heat, 
the lighting and the amount of hours that you keep it open for and the amount of days, that does affect what the price is going to be, right? Yeah, and the EMU is a really, really big building. Mm -hmm. And that must be really expensive seeing... That must Mm -hmm. be really expensive, hence it's $6 million budget. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, since this year, especially we're in a tight financial year, we're actually considering what are some of the ways that we can save money with those hours, right? And so we're taking we're taking a look at that right now. And it's difficult because on one hand, the EMU is being utilized more now than it ever has been before. And so we want to make sure that students can go in there to study, eat, all the things they need to do. But at the same time, we need to make sure that we're not overspending so we're not charging students for more than they're using it so actually this really cool thing we started doing last year we started doing door counts so that we can get a count of how many people are going in and out at which times and that way we can get some actual data that will allow us to make an informed decision on what are the hours that students use this building the most and what are hours that maybe we could save some money on and also the emu board also they think about long-range plans for the emu right like thinking back to a few years ago i remember the emu board was being renovated. There was this big overhaul of what it used to look like. I mean, I don't personally remember it because I wasn't here. Uh But I do remember reading about that. Yeah. Yeah. Is the board involved in talking about and discussing things like that? So I was not here also when that decision was made to renovate the EMU. But from what I have heard from the professional staff, that has been the same for a few years now. Um, They've told me that it was a very controversial decision, definitely, because, of course, you had people advocating for, hey, we want like a bigger space for students. We want something really nice that can be a central location for us. But other people saying like financially, this sounds like it will be a big commitment in the long run. And actually, yeah, whatever the decision was made. And I I believe that all students were involved in that process. Uh, But I'm going to be super honest, I'm not like 100% familiar with exactly how it went down. What I can tell you is, though, that we are still paying off the building. So currently, we're still in debt for the beautiful EMU that we have today. And that's part of where our IFE has to go every year to cover some of those expenses. Yeah. For those of you who aren't exactly familiar with the renovations that happened a few years ago, that entire bottom area where the O-Desk currently is, that used to not be there. Instead, there was a small, it's been described to be by upperclassmen as a tunnel of sorts where you could just (laughs) skate on through in the EMU, which is a little baffling to me. But now there's that entire nice area. It looks a little bit different than the rest of the EMU, and that is because it was renovated a couple years ago. So with being involved in the day-to-day management and the long-range plans for the EMU, who actually are these people who are sitting on the board There are some senators, I understand, but there are also some people who are not senators who sit on the board. Yes. I can get a little bit more into what our membership consists of, right? So it's 12 students, and we also have professional staff that sit on the board. Um, We have four members that are elected at large. That's what the at large means. It means from the student body um, for two-year terms within the ASU in the spring election. Then we have two of those who are elected in odd-numbered years, and two are elected in even-numbered years. So staggered. The position sounds staggered. Okay. Yeah, out of the four, those are the four seats elected by the whole school. And those aren't senators. Uh, So yeah, that's that's the ones who are not senators. But there's also three who are senators who are also elected in the spring. Gotcha. So 
these three members sit on both the EMU board and on the Senate. And they have different terms as well. One of them sits there for a year, another one for two years. And I think the other one also for two years, if I can remember correctly. Yeah, that's right. Um, and then we have two students who represent EMU areas. They have to have experience within different EMU student programs. And there's also two that represent ASUO programs. So any club that falls under the ASUO, right? That could be any, anywhere in the program's finance committee, for example. And those um, four positions are actually elected or are actually appointed by the EMU board, whereas the other positions were elected by the student body. And you also mentioned that there are some professional staff on these seats. Those are like real adults, people you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, We have the director of the EMU, the EMU business manager, the director of student activities, and they're all ex officio, which means non-voting members of the EMU board. And I don't know if I mentioned all of the student officials, um, but there is also one person who was appointed by the executive cabinet of ASUO, and that's the exec designee position. That's what that means. That sounds like a fancy title. What exactly differentiates them from everyone else who's elected as opposed to this person who's appointed by the executive branch. Right. So as I mentioned before, you know, some of the positions were elected by the student body. Some of them were appointed through the EMU board. And this position is unique in the way that the executive cabinet um, hires them and with the intention to sit on the EMU board to continue um, as to keep communication as up-to-date as possible between the executive cabinet and EMU matters, particularly financial ones. This person is required to sit on budget committee. And all other finance committees also have an exec designee position, actually. So from my understanding of the mix of students on the EMU board, there are some who are senators. There are some who are elected to only work on the EMU board. Mm -hmm. There's one who's appointed by the executive branch. Mm -hmm. And there are pro staff people who are like the EMU director, the business manager, the director of student activities, people like that. Yeah, exactly. And there's actually one person I'm forgetting about. There's a member of EMU staff that's elected by eligible staff in odd number years, and they serve two-year terms. And that position would be uh, the only permanent employee or professional staff that does have a voting seat. All right. Um, So moving along, what happens when there are empty spots on the EMU board when there aren't maybe enough, like, student officials who are at-large members. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. And we also have people that, you know, things come up. We're all students, so obviously at some points people may need to drop their position. And when there's a vacancy, we it depends on the seat, right, on which seat is vacant at that time. Because if the seat that's vacant is one of the, is one of the ones that – needs to be appointed through the EMU, they would have to apply through us, right? So we would we would post on our website and then they would apply and we would be in charge of interviewing them directly. Staff from the EMU board, right? Any of us students on the EMU board. But if it was another position, like the members that are elected at large or one of the senators, that would have to go through the executive cabinet's hiring process. So the chief of staff and other hiring members of the ASUO would have to interview them, and then they would be approved by the Senate, and then they sit on the AMU board. 
Oh, and fun fact for those of you who aren't aware, on the third floor of the EMU, yes, there is a third floor. If you go via the elevator, if you go via the elevator by Starbucks, you go up there and you'll see actually if you go down one of the hallways that leads actually to the Emerald office, there are a couple of panels that show actually the members of the EMU board. I pass by it almost every day when I walk to the office. So I see it a lot. I've seen like some years where there are only like one or two members, but those are in the early years, I, I, I believe. Yeah. Are you talking about the exhibit that's right outside the EMU boardroom? Yes, actually. Okay. Yeah. It's a very funny spot because I feel like not a lot of people know about it because the only things that are located there are the Emerald and then you have like, I think the Student Recovery Center. Yeah. And ASUO Legal Services. Yeah. The Legal Services. That's another thing that a lot of people don't even know we fund through the student fee. That's actually falls within ACFC. But anyways, yeah, that's all located up there. And the EMU boardroom, that's where we hold our meetings. And yeah, right outside is where that exhibit is. Yeah, that's a fun fact for you. Yeah, we also have like a small picture of the EMU board members right by the card office in one of the cement columns. Oh, that's really interesting. So earlier in this podcast, I asked you, you corrected me, actually, you said you were EMU budget president. And I was just wondering, since we've gone through the weeds a little bit with (laughs) the budget side and the house side of the EMU board, if you could tell us what that role, what do you do in that role? What does that entail exactly, you know? <laughs> what do I not do? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, like I said, since we do have the uh, the EMU board chair, she's she oversees the entire, the members of the entire board, right? But then there's a house chair. She oversees that side of the situation and then myself budget i oversee the budget matters and so basically the other five students that sit on the budget committee i make sure that maybe through one-on-one conversations or through our meetings that they are completely confident and empowered in what they're doing and that i'm up to date on each budget so that I can explain not only to the full board, but also to the Senate, right? Since I sit on Senate and I work with the other finance committees, my my two roles, both both the budget one and the Senate president one, go very close together because as Senate president, I'm also working with the finance chairs of ACFC, PFC, and DFC. And we have a job that together we need to accomplish a certain benchmark. And what that means for listeners is basically we have a limited amount of money, right? And we have to make sure that we get there, that we meet that. And so if that means cutting things, that means we have to play the balancing act together and see where we need to cut, who needs to cut more and where. And then I go back to the budget committee and say, okay, within our 13 programs, who needs to cut more and where and how? When you say you need to meet a specific benchmark, what exactly does that mean? I was a little confused by that. Yeah, sure. Um... So that gets a little more into the budget process and how that works. But basically with the iFee, we have to set benchmarks every year. And that's the amount by which your specific budget will is looking to increase in that fiscal year. And last year, our benchmark was so like our overall was so tight. Like we we had to make sure that budgets weren't increasing because we just didn't have the money for that, right? And so, for example, I know that the other finance committees, ACFC, DFC, and PFC, were all at, at either 0% increase or they actually had decreases in their budget. And they did that to make sure that we weren't 
overspending, obviously, and increasing the IFE by, by like a crazy amount because we don't want to increase the IFE if we can avoid that because that's student money and we take that very seriously. We want to be responsible with it. Unfortunately, with the EMU, it's really, really hard to keep the benchmark to even get it at a zero right now. That's my goal. I really want to keep it at a zero, but it's very difficult considering the EMU is such a large budget and we have not only the debt of the building, professional staff, staff, 